I'm going to tell you a quick story. Street performers tell great stories. I remember seeing you sweat. Be they comic or tragic, they're always entertaining. Oh my God, what a good one. This is a Stories from the Pitch short. Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a growing oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. The intrigue of international travel and the beauty of being able to pay for all those amazing adventures along the way by passing your hat is a theme that resonates with most street performers, especially when you're just getting started. But getting into some countries can be more challenging than you expect, even if you think you've done your homework. If a grumpy customs officer decides that your story just isn't adding up, they can completely derail your plans and hold you up for hours before actually processing you. I throw now to Katie Wright, telling Magic Brian about Oddstar Airlines' experience trying to get into England for the 2007 Glastonbury Festival. Here we go. We're recording. Check, check. I will be accepting checks after the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Katie Wright. Czechoslovakia. Uh-huh. Brooklyn, New York. Williamsburg, yeah. Brooklyn. All right, so why don't you tell us, uh, <laughs> share one of your stories. Right. Well, I think it was like 2007. Ellie and I, on our first Eloise tour. Eloise Green. Yes, Eloise. On our very first tour, like preceding this, Ellie was at Nika and I was at Circo Arts. And then we met back in Adelaide after not seeing each other for like a year. And she's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm just going to save up all my money and go to Europe and do a street show. And she was like, I'll come with you. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> and so we had about like two weeks to make a show because we decided we want to be like in Amsterdam for the beginning of the European summer. Like we're both working in cafes. We literally had no money. And so we kind of just brainstormed and came up with Stacey and Tracy. Star Airlines and made these cozies. Well, met this woman to make these cozies for us. But yeah, so we just scrambled the money together, picked up the cozies. The morning we we're flying out, got on the plane. So excited, never been overseas. And we only had two festivals booked, which was Glastonbury and Porsgrunn in Norway, just randomly. So you got festivals booked after only doing. Well, we did one show in Rundle Mall. <laughs> you. <laughs> You were able to book shows overseas after one show in Rundle Mall. Yeah, and we did a photo shoot. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So anyway, we caught up with Nigel and Lou, and they helped us with a structure for a show. This is after you've already booked your gigs. Probably, yeah. (laughs) That's the way that happens for everyone, I think. (laughs) Just kind of put yourself out there, you get work, and then come up with a show. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, we rocked up in Amsterdam and started doing shows, Eliza Plain, and just churned it out. We're doing like three or four shows a day or more, and just having a great old time. And then Glastonbury came around, so we were like, awesome, we're going to England. Woo! Really excited. Like, flew into Bristol, and... I didn't know about the visa waiver for Glastonbury, just hadn't discussed that with Bella. And, but I had gone into like the immigration department in Adelaide. I had told them, I'm going into England, do I need a visa? I'm just working for like three days and earning like a small amount. They were like, no, you should be good. You should be good. Seriously, this is what they told me. So I was like, okay, just gonna go in. And I know every other performer on the planet's like, don't worry about it, just say you're going in and having fun. Like, 
everyone gets let in. It's all good. So me and Ellie rock up with their immigration, well excited. You know, clearly we had our hoops and matching costumes and all that shit in our bags. And they're like, well, what are you guys doing? And we were like, oh, we're just on holiday, hanging out like in Bristol and going to see some friends and maybe like just practice our hula hoops in the park. and With our costumes on. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, well, how much money have you got? And we're like, um, we kind of looked at each other and I went, I think I've got like $500 in my bank and I think Ellie's got like about six so yeah we've got about eleven hundred dollars and they were like right <laughs> you thought that was a good number to tell them <laughs> I think it was just the truth we're just like <laughs> telling them the truth at that point and then they were kind of like uh could you just wait over there and we're like okay and we went and sat down and then they were like now we want you to wait in this little white room so we went to this little white together room. they didn't separate you no they didn't separate us we went to this little white room you know, they were processing passengers and they left us there for six hours. Six, six hours. hours sitting in the little white room? In the little white room. Did they bring you water or food or anything? No. Nothing? Mm-mm. Nah. Did like, anyone check in in six hours? Yeah, but there was a little bit of that going on because they interviewed us separately. So they came in every now and then and asked us further questions and then they would leave. Oh my God. Yeah, and sort of about what we were doing in England. And then I think in the first hour, me and Ellie were feeling pretty chilled out. Had the iPod going, a little Bob Marley, kind of chilling, just feeling happy we'd been in Amsterdam for a month, like just feeling happy and excited, you know and what I mean? And not worried at all that you're sitting in a little white room <laughs> in England. Yeah, we just couldn't have imagined how anything could go as bad as it did. And so sort of overthinking by the sort of third or fourth hour, we were started starting to feel pretty despaired. And but so, after the third or fourth hour is when you went, I, you know what? <laughs> but there something was, is wrong. There was this like little cord all the way around the wall of this small white room, and we thought that it was bugged and that they were listening to us. So we kind of made eyes at each other, and we knew, and we decided to lie out loud to each other for a long time in that little white room. So we're kind of acting with each other and going, God, I can't believe they're leaving us in here because we're not even doing anything. Yeah, it's a way to pass the time. Right. <laughs> we just kept lying to each other out loud. And they went through our luggage. And they were like, what's with that? And we were like, oh, we just have these matching costumes. Like, it's just for fun. Hula hoops. I was like, yeah, we're just practicing hula hoops just for fun. And then they looked through Ellie's personal bag, like a handbag. And then when they went to look through my handbag, I said to them, I need to go to the toilet. Can I go to the toilet? And they were like, yeah. So I took my handbag, you know, around my body with me to the toilet. And I took out the contract for Glastonbury and like ripped it up into tiny little pieces, like tiny pieces so you couldn't read any of it. And then put it in the sanitary disposal bin. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to look in there. <laughs> no. I thought, to flush it down the toilet. thought I was being pretty crafty there because I didn't know if it would, I don't know. It just saw it yeah. there and I went, that's where it's going. Uh-huh. And then I went back to the little white room. And they left us there for a bit longer, and then the last flight came in, and then they decided to deal with us. Like, this was closer to midnight. Wow. The same people, still on the same shift. And then they took us out and interviewed us separately. Like, there wasn't much to it. It was just like, what are you doing here? And we were both just said separately, we're just chilling out, and then we're going to go back to Amsterdam. 
They're like, what are you doing in Amsterdam? We're like, just chilling out because we weren't legally working there either. Yeah, then they took photos of us and they took a photo of Ellie. And when they got to my photo, that's when I just... Lost it. Like, I just started crying. That was my moment, you know? Like, I, so they got this photo of me going... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> when I stood up in front of that camera, it's just all the tears started flowing, right? And then they're like, we're going to take your passports from you and give you a temporary pass into the country. They started talking about putting us in a jail for the night. They, Did they ever give you a reason why they were... They said, we don't believe that you're not working. We don't believe that you're not working. They didn't. So they finally said that to you. Yeah, yeah. And so they gave us a temporary pass into the country, just a little bit of paper. We didn't have a passport on us. They said, we're going to send you back to Australia tomorrow on the first flight that we can. We're going to take your tickets and we're going to rebook them. And you're going back to Australia. We're like maybe one or two months into our big adventure overseas, you know. So we were pretty... Crushed. A bit crushed and a bit worried, but we're kind of determined that we're going to sort it out. Wow. So we got into Bristol. They were like, we'll book you into a youth hostel. We're like, nah, it's all good. We're going to a hotel. <laughs> You're like, no, do you remember how much money I told you we have? We're getting a hotel. <laughs> we have $1,100 $1, between the two of us. <laughs> we are getting a hotel. We don't want the hostel. Yeah, we don't want your youth hostel. Come on. <laughs> we have money. Do <laughs> you remember what I told you? <laughs> Did you write that number down? <laughs> That's what we got between us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hotel. Yeah, 1100 which is what, like... 500 quid so yeah. we're going to a hotel, we got a hotel. <laughs> mm-hmm. so we went to the hotel and we went straight to the bar and got a beer and we told these people at the bar and they're like that's awful I can't believe that that's awful so we went to our room and then we started to make phone calls because Ellie was really good friends with a girl who worked at the flight centre who sold us our tickets we were like hey Mormon like they said they're going to change our tickets have they done it and she's like oh let's have a look Yep. And I'm like, change them back, change them back. She's like, hang on, babes, I'll just see what I can do. She's like, oh, my God, babes, this has never happened to me before, but they're frozen. I can't access them. We were like, oh, my God. She's like, I can't do anything with them. You're booked on a flight tomorrow back to Australia. Whoa. Yeah. And we were like, fuck. And then I rang the British High Commission in Australia and spoke to someone who was just like, there's nothing you can do. Then... In the morning, because this is the middle of the night, I rang the British High Commission in London, spoke to someone who said, there's nothing we can do, I'm sorry, that's it. So we went back to the airport and we had to go and be escorted, you know, through the airport. So we went back and they were like, issued us our tickets and all the business and we were like, shit. And then we were sitting in the waiting room and we were telling these really nice old English people what had happened and they were like you know when you're overseas and you meet these people that are kind of parent kind of figures these people were like so sweet and just really that shoulder we really needed and that ear they were really caring and they just said to us you know what why don't you just ring the British High Commission one more time and say what happened and see if you get someone else and you get some different advice and I thought well couldn't hurt so like I went to the payphone and I rang in London, the British High Commission, and I got this person that said to me, legally they can only send you back to the country you flew in from, which was Holland and it was Amsterdam. So they'd actually booked our tickets back to Australia, but you can actually refuse that. But we didn't know that information until that moment. When you were in the airport waiting to board a flight. Yeah. So we went over to the customs people and met the head of customs of the UK who this little Indian man 
We had this assistant who was learning. He was like a trainee. He was hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I smiled at him and he smiled at me. I just sort of felt at that moment everything's gonna that right. everything's going to be all right. Oh, my God. Yeah, because just the energy from these people from the head of customs was so different to the people at immigration. At immigration. Like, those women were bitches. These people seem like people, you know. And I said to them, I, I sort of heard that you can only send us back to the country we flew into. And he was like, yeah, that's the truth. And I was like, well, we want to go back to Amsterdam. And we've been booked back to Australia. And so he walked us up to the KLM desk and he changed our tickets. And so we were booked back to Amsterdam. And Bam. Yeah. And then our tickets were back to the return date they were originally at. So we were escorted onto the plane and all that stuff. We were given our passports at the very last minute. Escorted onto the plane. Like a big cross through the... Yeah, big cross through Bristol ports. And just before we said goodbye to him, I was about to get on the plane, he just looked at us, the little Indian head of immigration, and he goes, I know everything about you two. I've watched your little promo video. He's like, you're really good. You're funny. And we were like, thanks. He's like, just tell me one thing, girls. Were you going to Glastonbury Festival? We looked at him, we looked at each other, we looked back at him, and we said together, no. Sticking <laughs> <laughs> to the story to the very end. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> the very, very end. <laughs> Fade out the end. Credits roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was that. Wow. Yeah. Stories from the Pitch is produced by the Busker Hall of Fame and is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. If you like what we're creating, head to the Busker Hall of Fame website and click on the donate button to throw a little cash into our online hat. Your contributions really do make this podcast a reality. Music for this episode came from Tim Sars and the Carnival Band from Vancouver. Links to both Tim's work and the Carnival Band are posted in the notes section for this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website, so do check them out. Got a story to tell? Something you think we could improve or perhaps you're interested in becoming a sponsor of an upcoming episode? If so, drop me a line at cbg at buskerhalloffame.com. On behalf of myself, co-producer Lindsay Lindbergh, Magic Brian, who both captured this story and created the preliminary edit, and the rest of the staff of the Busker Hall of Fame, we hope this finds you well. And as you perform for audiences around the world, please remember to use your superpowers for good. I'm David Aiken, the Checkerboard Guy. Thanks for listening.